Welcome aboard to Cruise Radio, your home port for everything cruising and more. Subscribe to our newsletter and weekly radio show at cruiseradio.net. From the Cruise One Studios in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm Matt Basford. And I'm Doug Parker. Follow us on Twitter at Cruise Radio, Facebook us, facebook.com slash cruise radio, and sign up for our monthly newsletter at cruiseradio.net. Coming soon, Cruise Radio premium content. Just about got that ready for you. We've been going through the archives and looking for all the uh, unedited versions of the interviews. We're basically giving you access to everything. So uh, one thing that's cool about this is if you want to just specifically search an interview without hearing you know, the whole show and, and combing through all that, you can just find it right there, click on it, and hear that one particular interview. Yeah, it's all available on demand for you. And uh, we're going to start out with a seven-day free trial for you. And after that give you an introductory rate of $1.99 a month. It will go up uh, after the first of the year, so jump on it quickly. It's really cool stuff. On this show, we'll be talking to Sherry Laskin. Sherry just returned from a two-month European trip, and believe it or not, she didn't take one airplane. It was all uh, buses, trains, and ships, and river cruises. Yeah, she took the transatlantic cruise across and uh, did that whole deal. And By the way, she's known as Cruise Maven on Twitter. Mm -hmm. But uh, right now... We got Stuart Shearer on the cruise guy, as always. Hello, Stuart. Hey, Matt. Hey, Doug. How's it going, you guys? Very, very good. So, uh, looking forward to this. The new celebrity, I should say, the fifth in their Solstice class ships coming out. The Reflection. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting news. Uh, it's the fifth, and hopefully not the last, but uh, it is the completion of a three point seven billion dollar project. And uh, to reflect on all of their ships, they aptly named the ship the Celebrity Reflection, which I think is very nice. How will this be different from? There are other ships, not so much. Any any kind of additions? You know, it'll be very similar to the to you know all, all five ships are very similar. As you know, Eclipse mm-hmm. is a, is a little different than Solstice and Equinox. I mean, as they come out with ships, they do make you know some minor modifications to the interior and uh, they make improvements and then and expand them uh, fleet you know around the rest of the ships and then take some of the best and put it into some of the refurbishments on their older ships. So uh, you know, as each ship comes out, there'll be some. There definitely will be some new. Um, I'm sure new new attractions, new um, amenities that will even appear on the fourth ship, which will be Silo- uh, Celebrity Silhouette, yeah. which she debuts in 2011 and Reflection in 2012. And Stuart, I was reading on the Norwegian Epic, they're starting to charge more for the Cirque Dreams and Dinner Show. Why is that? Doug, the uh, Cirque Dreams and Dinner Show has been so popular. Now, a lot of people are still misunderstanding. This is not entertainment. NCL is not trying to stick it to the passenger. This is a specialty restaurant that happens to have an excellent show, similar to maybe the teppanyaki restaurant. They're just not uh, cutting up uh, shrimp tails. But this has got a, a full-blown show that has just been all the rage uh, aboard Epic, and because of the popular demand, they feel they can easily justify uh, charging uh, you know, for more money for some of these seats where some of the floor seats will be going from 20 to $30, and some of the balcony seating from 50 to $20. It's not that big a deal, but uh, it was important that uh, NCL felt uh, they needed to go ahead and raise the pricing. Why? Because they could. We always love hearing from you, the Cruise Radio listener. You can email comments at cruiseradio.net. This is from Suzanne in Fargo, North Dakota. She writes, does specialty dining on ships require a, re- a reservation, and can you book the reservation before you sail? I always recommend people, like when they're doing the cruise, Matt, to, yeah. to book as early as you can. You can always attempt to, to make adjustments later on, but it's very hard to negotiate with something that you don't have. 
Yeah. And a lot of the lines, a lot of the ships actually allow you to make reservations online in advance, and it's really a smart thing to do. Uh, but uh, you can also make the reservations on board, and if you're in the higher categories and there's a concierge on board, they can also be uh, of assistance. But the, the, the specialty restaurants do book up uh, very, very quickly, uh, especially during the, the, you know, the peak uh, dining time. So it's definitely something you should de- uh, to do in advance. And again, you can email comments at cruiseradio.net. Uh, hang tight, man. We'll get Stuart Shear on the Cruise Guy back later in the show with your hot deals. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear more, go to cruiseradio.net and click on Radio Channel. Or go to iTunes and search Cruise Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Cruise Radio. We're here with Sherry Laskin, or known in the online world as Cruise Maven. Sherry, welcome to Cruise Radio. Welcome. Thanks for having me. This is great. Sherry, tell us a little bit about yourself. You've been on the show before, but it was way back when we first started. We have like, you know, 40,000 more people now listening. So uh, tell us a little background about yourself. Well, I started in the travel business about almost 20 years ago from my home in snowy Michigan. I was in the basement looking up at the snow falling, and I'm doing all sorts of interesting things, building websites and starting from scratch. And pretty soon I was the Yahoo site of the week. Nice. That's back when there were no sites, so the competition was pretty narrow. Right. But uh, and I just kept building on the cruise end of it and getting more and more involved. Um, my first cruise was 1960-something, and I <laughs> did a Trans-Pacific with my parents nice. from Los Angeles to Honolulu when you could do that before the Jones Act. Right. And uh, I've just been hooked ever since. Okay, so recently you just did a, a European trip. You were just like all over the map. Every time we checked into Twitter or Facebook, you were popping up here, popping up there. Where exactly did you go and when did you go? I left uh, Fort Lauderdale on April 27th and went to New York for two days um, up the East Coast. Picked up more people there, more passengers, and then we made a sharp right turn and headed over towards London. And what ship was that on? It was on the MSC Poesia on a 17-night transatlantic voyage. Now, we were talking off mic. You don't fly, right? I don't fly. I gave up flying about, oh, 15 years ago. I decided I'd rather be a surface traveler. Right. And I've been doing everything I can just to keep that going. I just don't want to fly anymore. Okay, so you went on this big European expedition. What kind of planning was involved in, uh, in doing that? Uh, for April 27th departure, I started uh, July of the year prior. Okay. And basically, it's you. It's almost like I was telling you earlier, it's like dominoes. You right. have to have one trip backed up to another to another. And I was taking ships and trains and buses and everything else. And I had to make sure that I can get from point A to point B to eventually point L sure. and not have to right. miss a connection because then you're toast. So you, you were talking about the domino effect. Did everything, was it all in sync for you? Pretty much. I mean, weather plays a, a factor in trying to make connections. Um, the ship that I was supposed to pick up in Marseille because of bad weather couldn't dock in Marseille and had uh-huh. to go to Toulon. Okay. Uh, so I got to the station, the, um, the terminal in Marseille to find no ship and so did about 14 other people, but the cruise line was right on it, and they had a bus that took us an hour and a half over to the other side of France, and uh, we picked up the ship there. But um, aside from that, pretty much everything fell into place. The trains were a little scary because I don't, you know, I remember my high school French, and that's about it, and it's not like Amtrak. You know, it's different. I've, I've read where they, they, they have gassings, or is that common overseas? Um, people, 
we won't, we won't go I'll there? No, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. You were kind of like, ah! Well, it was scary. Um, I had done a little bit of research prior to my, um, the train part of it especially. I had to get from Marseille to Paris. My, my riverboat was beginning in Bucharest. Uh-huh. So I had to somehow get from Marseille to Paris, Paris to Munich, Munich, Vienna, Vienna to Bucharest. Okay. And so the overnight portion, the first one was Paris to Munich, which was... Still, it's not like Amtrak. Um, there's there no dining car. Uh-huh. Um, the restrooms are at the end of the corridor. But it was I felt very secure. They have a little pass key to get in and out of the room. Okay. But the the section from Vienna to Bucharest is a Romanian train that mm-hmm. really reminded me of something from Dr. Zhivago. Okay. And um, it was not, again, I keep saying it, but I'm so spoiled from Amtrak that uh, when I saw my room with um, a, like a platform bed and a thin mattress but it had clean linens... Um, the the point you you asked me about was do they have some strange happenings? Yeah, well, right. it's fairly lawless, I think, in my humble opinion, in Romania. And I had heard a rumor that in the pre-war days or mm-hmm. pre-war, just when it was still trying to get ironed out, um, people intruders would stop the train in the middle of nowhere, get on the train put uh, cans of gas in the ventilation system in the sleeping cars, uh-huh. knock everybody out, break into the door, rob and plunder, and then leave, and no wow. one knew what happened. Oh, my gosh. Uh, a few minutes ago, you mentioned uh, river cruising. Uh, how much different is river cruising from like a transatlantic sailing on, uh, on a big line? It's it's a totally totally unique and wonderful experience. If if you if no one if you haven't tried, you should really right. put river cruising on your agenda. You're on a, on a boat with four decks, three passenger decks and a sun deck, maybe um, 130 cabins max. Mm-hmm. You know everybody. Um, it's it's just a totally different experience. It's calm. It's relaxed. There's no queuing up for huge lines and and you stop in the city centers in most instances rather than. Um, I always like to say, when you're on a cruise in Europe, you're traveling on the edges mm-hmm. of, con- of well, the yeah. countries, edges of continents, and um, river cruising puts you right in the heartland of the countries. And that's because the ship's so much smaller, so we can get up in the little rivers and inlets, is that Absolutely. correct? Absolutely, yeah. The ships are small, they're narrow. Um, it's sometimes when you go under some of the bridges, going from, um, if I have a correct, Vienna to Amsterdam, there's mm-hmm. 66 locks that you have to go through. Oh, cool. Which is amazing to watch, but by like number 55, it's like, oh, another lock. But you get sort of conditioned to it, and the bridges that you go under are so low that the, the captain's watch area, the, uh-huh. the bridge, actually collapses. It's on hydraulic lift system and it collapses and every, they take all the railings down on the sun deck, fold down the lawn chairs, and wow. you barely skim by the surface. That is too cool. So, if, if folks were wanting to travel abroad, like, what would, you, what would your advice be to folks and what did you take from this trip? Um... Lots of souvenirs. Um, <laughs> um, it's a great, great experience, especially if you want to try to do a total non-flying Europe adventure. It's possible, and I'm the first person that could say I'm, I'm planning to do it again next year. Um, you just have to get your pads of paper and get on the Internet and make mm-hmm. all your connections and make sure that you have them in stone because, as you asked me earlier, you know the domino effect. You yeah. miss one train. You could be out because they sell out the compartments. Are out of sync. The whole trip could be out of yes, sync. Yes, yes. And, you know, leave a day before each cruise just in case. Did you stay in any uh, any hostels along the way or was it mostly hotels? No, there's no S in my hotel word. It's oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's, if, it's, if there is an S, it's at the end of hotels. Oh, gotcha. But... Uh, <laughs>
Um, and I stayed uh, two nights in Romania, in Bucharest, uh-huh. at uh, the Radisson Blue, which okay. was a beautiful place. And then um, I spent three nights in uh, Aix-en-Provence, in okay. the south of France, in, a, in an 800-year-old convent turned hotel. Nice. Which was an incredible... Amazing, I can imagine. Just amazing. The, the key, even the keys to the rooms were like the old skeleton keys. Oh, cool. And, and you have to hand them into the front desk when you leave, and they say, merci. And, right. and, you, and you come back, and you claim your key to get back in. And then um, at the very end, I stayed three nights in London in the Kensington area. I've been to this hotel. It's the John Howard Hotel. Mm-hmm. And it's two doors down from where Benny Hill used to have his townhouse. Oh, nice. So it's, you can hear the little music in, in your head when you walk past the townhouse. You had asked me earlier what, I, what my takeaway was from this trip. Mm-hmm. And I think really it's just um, being able to meet so many interesting people from different countries and when you're and again I can't say enough about riverboat cruising because mm-hmm. you do form alliances and bonds with people and you just you pal around in traveling solo right. um, they always take me under their wing and they always ask me to sit with them or go on the shore excursions with them so I've met so many friends it's just been fabulous. And the last leg of your trip, you came over on the Norwegian Epic, right? From uh, Europe over to New York. How was that? Well, the first two nights was the uh, inaugural. Uh For just Brits, I was probably the only American on the ship, and it was a riot. They were just so much fun, and it was, it's interesting to see um, how an inaugural takes place. Uh Um, Then I took, stayed on the ship, I changed cabins, and I came back um, from Southampton to New York Uh on the Epic, like you said, and it was fun. It was a revenue sailing, which means passengers had booked their right. fare. It wasn't travel agents. I was probably then the flip side was I was probably the only travel agent leaving out of yeah out of uh, England on that. Um, but it was a great ship. It held the. It was very smooth for the size and the and the shape and the outside. If you look at it, it's almost box like. Yeah, it's very boxy. Very boxy looking. But we didn't have the smoothest weather and smoothest seas, and we had fog, like pea soup, for about four days, and you could not see. A thing. I had a beautiful balcony. You look out, you can't see anything. It's it's a little eerie, you know. And you're crossing over the Titanic area, and and you think about it. But um, good ship. So when you're crossing over, like where the Titanic actually sank, do they make mention of that on the ship? Um, it depends. I've been on a couple of transatlantics where they will put it in the newsletter mm-hmm. that at such and such moment they're going to be passing over within. Um, you know, a mile maybe of the area, and they'll have a, a bell salute and okay. a moment of silence or something like that. Um, some some captains probably prefer just to pass by and not say anything rather than, you know, put funny thoughts into passengers' yeah. heads. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so it is recognized once in a while. So how did you get from New York back to Florida? I was on the Amtrak Silver Service. It was the Silver Meteor from New York City to Winter Park, Florida. Um, it's my favorite route. I take that quite often when I have to catch a ship out of New York or Bayonne, New Jersey. Okay. And it's it's really simple. It's an 18-hour, basic, basically about an 18-hour ride. You get on at dinner time and you get off in the morning. So you stretch out in your compartment and you just relax and you can unwind and decompress. Very cool. She is Sherry Laskin, or known on Twitter as Cruise Maven. And what's your website again? CruiseMaven.com. Sherry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Doug. It was great. Have a question for the experts? Or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net.
about a romantic tropical cruise to the Caribbean? Cruise one. Or how about a breathtaking scenic cruise to Alaska? Cruise one. Or how about the Mexican Riviera? Or Cancun? Hazanet? Or New England? Or Canada? Or Italy? Or Greece? Or the Far East? Or how about a cruise around the whole world? Cruise one. Got a dream vacation for you. Cruise one. Let us send you on your way. Cruise one. Number one in cruising nationwide. One has more than 550 cruise specialists nationwide ready to help you plan your dream cruise. And speaking with a local Cruise One expert is as easy as calling toll-free 1-800-CRUISE and the number one. That's 1-800-CRUISE-1 or find us online at cruiseone.com. Number one in cruising Our next guest is owner and manager of Piedmont Cruises. He is Mike Peluso. Welcome to Cruise Radio. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. We had covered this in a past show, family travel, traveling with children, and, and we want to cover with you specifically traveling with babies. First of all, how many do you have, of those do you have running around? We have one. He's our first, and he, he's right at one year old. Congratulations. It's very exciting, isn't it? It is very exciting. It can sometimes be very loud, too. <laughs> I have a five-year-old daughter, and I'm telling you, when they hit that age, it's, it even gets more uh, magical. <laughs> we want to talk about your travel on the Costa Atlantica. Before we get to that, though, have, first of all, do you have an iPhone? Uh, yes, I do. Have you downloaded the Costa app? No, I have not. I, should we be getting money from Costa for this? Yeah, probably so. It's a cool app because what I love about it is you can get, they have a webcam off the bow and so it was really neat to see where they were and get an actual live shot of uh looking out the bow yeah i i actually had did that right before our cruise um you know to get my wife a little psyched up i would uh go on to their the port everglades website and say hey there it is there it is and then you know the next day i'd say next week we're going to be here and uh it would be the webcam from key west uh little did i know that we were going to be in key west the coldest period in the last (laughs) hundred years (laughs) <laughs> well, tell us about traveling with a little Aldo aboard the Costa Atlantica. All right. Well, the, the first thing, and most parents know this, is when you travel, uh, the reason why most parents have minivans is because there's so much stuff that you have to bring. I mean, we're talking <laughs> baby uh, uh, things for the diapers. Where, uh, my wife uh, had to have this special little bathtub. Uh, there's the pack and play, the cribs, the toys. It just it's endless. Now he yeah. was six months old. He was when we sailed. He was literally two. You have to have a child at least six months old before they'll let the child on board the boat. Right. He was six months and two days. I mean, he. This was the absolute first sailing we could get on on any ship, and it just happened to be two days after he was legal to go on. And what we discovered, and this was pretty great, is that they have tremendous amenities on the Atlantica and, uh, and many different cruise lines uh, for the children. And, uh, you know, and this is, mind you, this is a sort of a mid-age ship. The Atlantica uh, came out in 2000. It's a spirit-class ship. And uh, you don't think of them as having all these great amenities. They had uh, playpens and, and cribs for the rooms. They had the baby bathtub. They even had a diaper pail that was covered for us, and they changed it out every day. Nice. Oh, it was, it was wonderful. I mean, it was all set up in the room when we went in, and the, the guys were really great about it. You know how, uh, for those of us who are uh, seasoned cruisers, 
they they'll set up the bed and they'll do a, a little animal or something with the pillows. They actually did that with Aldo's bed too, and in his, they would actually fold down his little blanket just like they would our bed every night. It was very very <laughs> cute. What other unexpected services did you find? Well, one thing that the the line did that I thought was just tremendous is they were very very accommodating to the fact that we were nursing Aldo and my wife had the pump, so she was pumping him. And we had a few, there were, there's things that go, and, and most nursing moms know this with the pump, that you'll have your bottles and you'll have a little cooler that the bottles fit in. Um, and uh, sometimes she would pump in the middle of the night uh, while he still was asleep. And what they would do is we would put the milk in the little bottle and stick it in the little ice chest inside the room. And the milk didn't really touch anything. It was just in a bottle in the ice chest. When we would come back, uh, after they refreshed our room, what they would do is they would actually refill the ice and put the, dump out the cold water, refill the ice, and put the bottle right back where oh, it was. Nice. So it stayed nice and cold. That's cool. Uh, another great thing that they offered to do, and it was just, I cannot explain how great this was. Uh, the, even though we could throw some stuff in, uh, in, a, in the ice chest, we had this little pack that had the freezer. Uh, it would, you could freeze the walls. It had sort of like the ice pack right. built into the walls. Every night, they would take that pack from us, stick it in the freezer, and every morning, they would uh, turn around and they would li- deliver it to our room at 8 a.m. so we could put in our milk bottles and head off. Wow, that's cool. It was. It was super duper cool. I, was, I really appreciated what they did because it made our life easy. Yeah. You know, we're, we're juggling a child. Um, and, well, it wasn't just them. There was quite a bit of people who were bending over backwards for us. The i got to say something about the crew and the, the passengers. The crew, and you don't really think about this till you have a baby, and they all just start with their stories, but we all know that these people sign up for two-month, three-month, four-month, six-month, nine-month contracts, really long contracts. Right. And many of them are doing it because where they come from, this is really good money, and they're trying to provide for their families. Right. And they miss their families. Right. And boy, do they just, they just fell in love with Aldo. Totally. It helped tremendously that whenever my son saw somebody, he put on this big baby Gerber smile. (laughs) I want you to know, and you probably know this, when you have a child, you lose your identity. Right. Every single passenger on that ship knew Aldo's name within 48 hours. (laughs) And I actually had, I mean, hi, Aldo, how you doing, Aldo? At one point, Aldo was taking one of his naps. I'm walking around on deck. I had people get up, walk all the way across the pool deck, look at me with this mad look in their face and say, where's Aldo? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you are invisible. We want Aldo. Uh, Give us uh, some of the downsides or the areas uh, for improvement. Uh, I really would have liked to have seen some more formal support of babysitting. Yeah. Um, even, I even went there. Uh, I went in. They said, no, we're sorry. He has, to, you know, Oasis, we all know, has uh, the, the, the facilities for the, the infants. Um, but they don't have anything for that on uh, some of the older ships. Right. And I would have loved for them to have had somebody who is good with babies, not afraid to change a diaper. I even said, hey, off the record, I know officially you don't support this, but is there anybody who wants to work for a few hours <laughs> when their ship is, shift is over? And they said, uh, no, we just don't do that. We, you know, you have, the child has to be potty trained or we just don't take him uh, as far as that. So that, was, that meant Michelle and I, at 8 o'clock at night, we were in bed because that was Aldo's bedtime. And come hell or high water, we are going to get him, keep him on that schedule. <laughs> so, right. 
Um, and then I gotta say, dinner time, we are you, those dining rooms are fairly packed, and this is not a problem with the cruise line per se. It's a problem with us. We were just very sensitive. If Aldo was having a fussy night, yeah. we just wanted to pull him out of there. Uh, just because we knew other people were paying for their vacation. This was a once-in-a-lifetime. And, and they were very, like you said, very congenial. It was, a, it was a group of, it was almost like a group of friends, ad hoc group of best friends. But they said, don't worry, babies are fuzzy. I have 10, I have 15. But we just, we just know that nobody likes a screaming baby. So there were quite a few nights that we just said, well, you know what, let's just wolf down our meal and get out of here because he's not having a good night. Well, you know, you, you definitely offer hope to those parents who are on the fence about traveling with their babies or toddlers and um, you know you prove obviously that it's it can be very very enjoyable and, and obviously depending on the cruise line but uh, you say Costa Atlantica basically you're, what, what would you give it a grade all in all? I would give them a B plus the only reason that they didn't hit straight up A uh, was because of the lack of that baby care would have loved right. to have had a babysitter just two nights um, but otherwise every other aspect of that ship was fantastic they bent over backwards for us they had the physical things that we needed. They supported us in that regard. The crew was great. The, the, the people were great. Once we got south of Cuba, the weather was good. Yeah. <laughs> so, good. Not that that's their fault. Uh, the ship was clean and neat. Even the entertainers, the piano bar guy, picked up Aldo and was playing piano, sat him next to him and huh. he was playing piano. <laughs> that's cool. So, Tell everybody your wife's name. Her name is Michelle, Michelle Peluso with one L. You're an awesome dad. Mike Peluso, owner and manager of uh, Piedmont Cruises. Thanks for uh, sharing your story with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you very, very, very much. And uh, it was great to be here. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear more, go to cruiseradio.net and click on Radio Channel, or go to iTunes and search Cruise Radio. Each episode, we feature Porthole Cruise Magazine's Picks of the Week. This week's Porthole Pick heads out to sea, specifically aboard the new Norwegian Epic, which just launched uh, two months ago. In case you haven't heard the buzz, this ship is all about entertainment. From the brand new Cirque Dreams and Dinner Show to Legends in Concert to Howl at the Moon Dueling Piano Bar. But the one not to be missed show has got to be Blue Man Group, the famous threesome of, well, blue men who entertain the audience with out-of-the-ordinary comedic stunts, high-energy music, and other very high-tech special effects. It's very hard to describe this act until you're actually a part of it, and yes, it is a happening. But the Blue Man Group, who earn their claim to fame performing in New York, Chicago, Las Vegas, and other worldwide cities are a, a, so much fun and a very unique addition to cruise ship entertainment that you'll only find on Norwegian Epic, minus the price tag of upward of $100, which you'll pay at other city venues. One more tip, if you choose to sit in one of the first few rows of the show, know that you'll be in the poncho section where you'll be provided with a plastic cover-up just in case. Because it'll be raining blue men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, is back with your hot deals. Here's a, a deal in Disney. They tend not to go together. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, now through December 16th, yeah. uh, Disney Cruise Line's Disney Wonder, uh, catch her while she's still here because she is gone, heading to the West Coast That's right. in, in December. So through December 16th, you can do three and four night Bahamas from Port Canaveral, which is the port for Orlando. Uh, visiting Nassau on their pro- beautiful private island called Castaway Key. They've got pricing starting. You ready? 
I, I think so. Three hundred ninety-nine dollars per person. Nice. And for Disney, you'll never you've never seen a price lower than that. And then I, I actually had uh, some people ask me, well, you you mentioned seven night Eastern and Western Caribbean from Fort Lauderdale. I'm, I'm unfamiliar with a seven night Southern Caribbean out of Fort Lauderdale, and that's because it's new. Huh? It's a new itinerary. Uh, visiting um, Holland America's private island called Half Moon Cay. Then it goes down to Aruba and Curacao. So in seven days, you'll have three ports. It's a great itinerary, and uh, it avoids you having to spend more than ten nights to get to Aruba and Curacao or having to fly to San Juan. So it's a great opportunity to to catch uh, you know a Southern Caribbean for a week. Another great deal, coming up in November when Celebrities Constellation uh, comes back from Europe, uh, for the next several months, she's going to be doing alternating Caribbean itineraries, 14-night Caribbean itineraries out of Fort Lauderdale, where it's really a combination of the Eastern and Southern Caribbean. To give you an idea, it'll go St. Martin, Antigua, St. Lucia, Barbados, Grenada, Aruba, Curacao, and Bonaire. And these 14-night sailings are starting from only $949 per person. And um, it's a great opportunity to get on a longer sailing for less than $1,000. And coming up in January, you know, we mentioned, uh, you know, the delivery, uh, upcoming delivery of Canard's uh, Queen Elizabeth. Well, the previous uh, queen, Queen Victoria, is actually going to be uh, in Fort Lauderdale uh, between January and March doing 11, 15, or 17-night Caribbean or Panama Canal cruises out of Fort Lauderdale or L.A., uh, and they've actually got a really nice 11-night round-trip uh, cruise out of Fort Lauderdale where, I mean, they've got pricing that was around $26.99 that they're running some deals as low as $1,495. And Queen Victoria is a six-star ship. She is gorgeous. And uh, it's a great opportunity to to experience one of the nicest ships in the world. Thank you, Stuart. She run the Cruise Guy found at cruiseguy.com. Next week, I'm stuck in the studio. Again? Yeah, what? what's going on here? Just because you're the founder doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. Uh, yeah, it does. Okay, then. Yeah, Doug will be on the Celebrity Solstice, which is my absolute favorite ship. Very slick, good-looking, with very attractive and well-behaved passengers who dress nicely. <laughs> so, not sure what you're doing on there, Doug. I know, right? But uh, look forward to that. Oh, the Celebrity has a new uh, Solstice-class ship. Coming. Yeah, they just recently announced their, uh, their fifth Solstice-class ship. It's called the Celebrity Reflection. And uh, hopefully I will be on that one next time. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Cruise Radio. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash cruise radio. And sign up for our monthly newsletter at cruiseradio.net. So much feeling and emotion in that. Isn't there, though? From the Cruise One Studios in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm Matt Bassford. And I'm Doug Parker. This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio.